Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 9 of Revelation chapter 4. And we're going to begin by reading verse 8. And the four living creatures, I'm substituting that translation for the word beast, and the four living creatures had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And this, again, um, is a, a, a wonderful, uh, incredible glimpse that God is giving us into the heavenly kingdom of, of his, the kingdom of God. And... We are uh, being privileged to witness this glorious um, picture. It's, it's, of course, just a, a type and a figure that is teaching us certain truths about the kingdom of God and God himself. And the four living creatures are a representation of eternal God. And we... We read here that the four living creatures had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And this immediately reminds us of what we read in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah was um, a true prophet of God, and he was given a vision by the Lord, divine revelation. And this is what he saw in Isaiah 6, beginning in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is Jehovah of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the pulse of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Another glorious picture, another glorious image of the throne room of God and of God himself here in Isaiah, typified by the seraphims. And notice the seraphims had six wings and they they also cried, holy, 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 just as uh, we we find our four living creatures in Revelation 4, verse 8, had six wings, and they likewise cried, Holy, holy, holy. And there, there of course, it is um, a similarity because it is describing the same God, the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And the God of glory, the God of holiness in the days of Isaiah is the same God in the days of the Apostle John, and and his holiness has not changed. His glory and his greatness, his grandeur has not changed. 
it is still uh, it is still evident. It is still uh, the same scene in the kingdom of heaven. And it, irregardless of the hundreds of years that have passed from Isaiah to John. And likewise, it, it, there's no difference today from the thousands of years that have passed since John was granted this uh, vision in, uh, in, in the first century AD until our present year of 2013 AD. The, the scene is the same. God remains holy and almighty and everlasting and he does not change his character his nature it, it does not change he is not like a man that he should change no god is um unmovable he is always the same in in his perfection well the the interesting thing here in Isaiah 6 is the Hebrew word that's translated as seraphims is the same word that's translated as fiery serpent in the book of Numbers. So let's turn there to Numbers chapter 21. And this is one of the blessings of following um, words and thoughts and ideas through the Bible. We we get to learn other things also as we do so and accompanying things, additional information that, that we find as we compare Scripture with Scripture. And in Numbers 21, we read of the people who are rebelling against God in verse 5, and the people spake against God. And against Moses, wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And that's not a light thing for them to say, or uh, it's a very severe um, thing for them to say, because that light bread, that manna, was a type of Christ. And Jesus points that out in the Gospel of John, that as the Israelites ate the manna that fell in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be eaten. And and yet they loathed, they hated and despised that light bread. It, it was always the same. Day after day for 40 years, we, we just um, got done. Uh, mentioning how God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He changes not. And so the bread that represents Christ did not change. Very plain, nothing uh, exciting about that manna from heaven that was like coriander seed uh, with a little taste of honey. It, it was very plain, nothing dramatic, n- nothing to please the the lustful desires of man but only something to nourish him and to keep him alive and yet they came to despise it probably with a great hatred they loathed it is this what we have to eat again and uh, you know we can imagine today uh, when we eat the same meal uh, several days in a row we we complain and so naturally, 
on on a physical carnal level we can relate we understand that why it is that they loathe that light bread however spiritually it it is really painting a picture that this is the case with those that identify with god in the churches and congregations profess christians they actually despise the true gospel of the bible now they want to add something to it they 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 want to spice it up they um they they want something uh, like uh, dreams or visions or tongues they they want a gospel of free will where uh, it can be very dramatic we we can plead with them and implore them and beg them oh won't you accept christ and we can uh use great emotional pleadings that that they might uh finally be moved and and stirred up to accept him and there'll be many tears and oh it it's a wonderful scene when thousands of people come down at a in a stadium uh, at one of these um th- uh, these events that they hold there and and they accept Christ oh we want that kind of a gospel but that is not the gospel of the bible the gospel of the bible is very plain very much the same always it is the gospel that declares that god does all the work in the matter of salvation he gets all the glory and man is not able to do anything not the least thing to save himself and it is very possible that god will not save him he will have mercy upon whom he will have mercy that is the the gospel of the old testament the gospel of the new testament the gospel of the whole bible it is the same and and this is the gospel that many loathe just like the light bread was loathed in the wilderness and it goes on to say in numbers 21:6 and jehovah sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and much people of israel died now they they were bitten by these fiery serpents and the word fiery serpent is the word translated as seraphim because of their rebellious reaction to the manna the bread from heaven their their murmurings about it their complainings their criticisms their dissatisfaction their lack of contentment and so god said all right well now i'm going to bring a judgment upon you and the judgment was the fiery serpents the seraphim are uh, well there there was some creature historically of course that is being identified here as a fiery serpent and they did um literally bite the people and they were poisonous and the people of Israel were dying quickly they were dying and but it's all a result it's all uh due to their uh, their failure to humble themselves before god and to submit to his program to eat the manna and to be content with it and to be happy about it and thankful 
And after all, God was keeping them alive in a supernatural way, in a miraculous way, and yet they uh, they could care less. They uh, And that is very much the case as we read of or as we uh, consider modern-day Christianity, the gospel of the Bible is a supernatural, miraculous gospel. It is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ as he saves his elect people, and and yet the multitudes within the churches and congregations could care less about that. We don't care that this is um, in itself a, a, a wonderful and unspeakable uh, gospel and and gift that God has bestowed upon man. No, we want something better than that. We we want something that we have designed that we can contribute to and add to, and 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 it is really very uh, much a rebellious, and it, it is a criticism of the great salvation of God when. The churches have turned the gospel of the Bible into a, a gospel of works, the gospel of grace to a gospel where man thinks that he can do something. And and so God likewise finally brought judgment on the churches and congregations. Well, it goes on to say here in verse 7, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against Jehovah and against thee. Pray unto Jehovah that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And Jehovah said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Very unusual, isn't it, that God had Moses construct a serpent of brass. That is to to make a serpent, the same serpent that was biting the people and was killing them, that that Moses had to develop a serpent of brass that looked just like that and put it upon a pole and that serpent the image of that serpent if if the israelites looked upon it they would live now why would god take the image of the thing that was killing them and have them um gaze upon it in order to save their lives and and be delivered from death well, when we think about it, when we realize that the fiery serpent here is the same word as seraphim in Isaiah chapter 6, and the seraphim is um, a, another name really for God as, as they are describing the glory of God, the, the wonderful uh, person of God in Isaiah 6, and also as we read of the four living creatures, in Revelation 4, that also is, uh, it, it is a, uh, likeness of God, or God is saying he, he's using these images to, uh, to teach us about certain things concerning himself. And once we understand that, that the fiery serpent 
is the one that was biting them and killing them, and the fiery serpent is the one they must look upon for salvation, well, then we realize, oh, this is because that God is the one that ultimately is slaying mankind uh, uh, due to their sin. God is the one destroying man uh, as as a result of his rebelliousness against him. And God is the one also that has graciously, uh, out of his infinite goodness, developed a salvation program to save certain ones known as his elect. And those elect people are spared death. They are delivered from uh, the the consequences of their sin. Notice that some Israelites were bit by the fiery serpents and they died. Other Israelites were bit by the fiery serpents and they lived. All were bitten alike because all were rebellious alike. There, there was no difference between the ones that were bitten died and the ones that were bitten lived except the will of God, the mercy of God in having Moses develop that uh, brazen image of the serpent that they could look upon. And, and God made provision through that to spare some of the Israelites that were murmuring and rebelling against him. And likewise, God has made provision through the Lord Jesus Christ to save sinners, rebellious sinners, murmurers, complainers, um, critics of the person of God, just like anyone else. There's nothing better about the, the one that God has saved through predestinating them and electing them to salvation than those that are not saved. All have offended him. All have shaken their fist at God and dared to usurp his sovereign authority as the the king of heaven. All have um, also uh, despised his goodness and his word at some point or another. And yet God still has saved some. Now, we, we don't have to um, guess about this. We know absolutely that the fiery serpent is a picture of God. Because in John chapter 3, in verse 14 and 15, it says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have, but have eternal life. And here God is comparing the two, tying the two together, that that serpent is uh, is a symbol. It is a picture of Christ. As Moses lifted up the serpent and it delivered people from the serpent's bite, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That is, God uh, has made him Savior, and God is the one that will cause uh, his chosen people to intently gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ because God is the one that will save them 
through the faith and the work of Christ. And he will he will accomplish that and bring that to pass. Well, let's go back to Revelation chapter 4. And we we find the living creature, the four living creatures um, had each of them six wings about him. And they were full of eyes within and they rest not day and night saying, holy, 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 that therefore the four living creatures and the seraphim of Isaiah six and and in turn, the fiery serpent of um, numbers twenty one and and that fiery serpent uh, also is a type of Christ that they all tie together, that this is an image of the glory of God, of his infinite being. And uh, as he is God, the judge and God, the savior. And and here the um, the four living creatures again, they're uh, they're in the throne room of God. And notice that they have eyes or, or they they were full of eyes within and we wonder, well, why is God telling us that? That the four living creatures are full of eyes within. Well, remember, we we um, had seen back in verse 6, in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four living creatures full of eyes before and behind. And we saw how uh, that uh, that relates to the fact that God uh, is all-knowing, all-seeing, that he beholds all the children of men and he knows everything that everyone is doing, whether good or evil. God sees everything that man does outwardly, that man speaks, and he sees everything that man does inwardly, that he thinks. And even in in the deep down uh, reaches of his inner being, God knows everything that is happening in the world and and amongst the people of the world but this is a different statement in verse 8 the four living creatures yes we know they it's already said they had eyes before and behind they they see everything that uh, in the whole realm of creation in the whole realm of existence really god is all knowing but why does it say that they also had, they were full of eyes within, within. And uh, we realize that God is performing uh, a self-examination. Uh, you know, the Bible does command us in Second Corinthians to to examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith or not know ye not your own selves and that's a commandment of god and god has placed himself under his own law we read about that uh, in in the psalms that god has subjected himself to his own law which means that god also performs self-examination and and here god is looking inward with his all-seeing ability uh, to know uh, all things. And, of course, th- this is uh, an enormous uh, task to 
examine the the person of God because he is from everlasting and he will continue into eternity future and he inhabits the whole spectrum of existence. He inhabits eternity and God is just an enormous, enormous being, infinite in nature. And yet he is looking inward at his entire being and performing a search. Is there any wrong in him? Is there any uh, evil in him? Is there any error in him? Has he done anything at any time in at any place in all of eternity that would be contrary to the law of God that could be identified as a sin? And the answer, of course, is in no way. No, as God looks inward, just as he looks outward to you and me and everyone else, as God turns that all-encompassing gaze, that 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 ability of his to see everything all at once. And as he looks upon himself, all he finds is perfect purity, perfect righteousness, perfect goodness, and perfect holiness. And this self-examination leads the Lord God to exclaim of himself, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. What uh, what uh, an amazing thing this is to to think that God in every part of his being in in all that is God. And we can't even begin to comprehend the least that is God. It's only by uh, God's uh, graciousness and giving us his word that we can read about him and learn some things about his eternal nature. And and yet we have severe limitations due to our finite uh, nature ourselves. And yet all that is God is uh, inspected by God himself and God confirms the uh, the absolute truth that he is holy, that there is no error, no fault, no spot or blemish, no speck of wrongdoing anywhere within his entire being. 